Welcome to The Pew, the place where everyday guys talk about everyday things in front of the one person who can do something about it, Jesus Christ. Now here's your host, just a guy in the pew, John Edwards. Welcome back to The Pew, everybody. I am your host, John Edwards, and here to the left of me, as always, is my co-host and cohort, Victor Adams. John, how you doing? I'm doing all right, man. I'm Good. a little tired. Had yeah. a long weekend, you know, had another parish mission. just flew in? Yeah, well, it was, I flew in <laughs> late Saturday night. There you go. I'm <laughs> 10 tired. 10 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. I was, man. It's, it's a lot to keep gotcha. this big head and a 6'8 body around. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Lots of flapping. Mm-hmm. But no, uh, yeah, just had another opportunity, a blessed opportunity to go up to Dubuque, Iowa, this past weekend and uh, gave a mission at the Church of the Nativity over there for men and women. It was, you know, a, a great crowd. And then we had like, you know, 25, 30, 40 men, something like that, show up in the morning afterwards after the, the mm-hmm. mission for the training for the men's group. So we're actually going to start two groups at two different parishes up there uh, with the format we use in our group, you know, the four pillars and all of those things. So just another blessed weekend of going somewhere and, and doing God's work and building something that's going to last, that fruit that will last. And, you know, that is what I believe that God has us doing. That's what I believe that he wants uh, me to do with my time, you know, when we're not doing the podcast and everything else. Uh, you know, we just launched a uh, a campaign through ePriest and some other things out there to send emails out to priests and deacons and lay people about, hey, do you want to start a group? Here's, you know, here's what you do. Here's a video from me talking about the nest, you know, the need for the group. And then uh, uh, we have a page now on the website that you can go to under book me. It says you want to start a kind of register. Uh, yeah. yeah a thriving cool. uh, men's group. Mm-hmm. You go there, there's the video, there's the reasons why just a quick, you know, quotes from people that have had the missions in the, in the men's group and the success that they've had with the training. And then there's a place there to click the form to fill out to one, give us your information. And then two, you can schedule a call with me during my week. There's this thing called Calendly. So it's got times I've got right. available and you can schedule a call and I can talk to you about what you have in your parish, like what your unique situation is, um, how we can help and how we can get there and, and start a group in your parish or in your area. Well, the cool thing about that is that you're not really soliciting. You're just saying, this is what's out here. Yeah. If you're interested, you know, contact us because, you know, if you got to call every church and every diocese office, yeah. it's, it's pretty exhausting, like the old sales way, you know, sure. and this allows them to kind of reach out to you to saying, this is what we need yeah. because, you know, it can be a sensitive topic, you know, whenever you talk about parish missions you know yeah. they go well you know what does that mean to you and what does it mean to them sure yeah well that's the thing i had a deacon today call me and he you know he's got four parishes up in buffalo that he's uh serving mm-hmm. and he said he'd been looking for something he said man i opened my email from i'm a subscriber to e-priest and he said and there was you know this this answer to what seemed like what i was looking for and then i called you today i talked to him for about an hour a day and he said I'm taking this to my pastor. This is exactly what we're looking for. And the thing that people are really liking about it is we're not trying to own this, right? Like a lot right. of times when with with ministries or with things like this, it's just like you got to use our stuff and you got to use our videos and you've got to, you know, agree to do this for so many years. I'm just trying to give a, a, a structure to format that will get something off the ground and bear fruit that will last. You know, St. Paul used to go to communities. He wouldn't just sit there and say, okay, I own this now, right? He would just help them raise up communities 
And then he would stay in contact with them and encourage me. He would train leaders to lead that community. And he would go start another one and then remain in contact, encouraging them, right? So that's what we're trying to do. We're not trying to own anything, just trying to give a helping hand to help people start and to train leaders so that they don't have to go through what you and I went through in the beginning when we didn't know what we were doing and we made mistakes and had to figure things out the hard way. We're trying to pass on what we've mm-hmm. learned to others. So if you're interested in that, starting a men's group, whether you're a lay person, you know, a deacon, a priest, whoever's listening, don't, especially a lay person, if you're a guy that has that fire in his heart to lead a group, then let us help you. Like, don't listen to the devil. He's going to come to you and tell you, convict you of your sins and tell you you're not the right guy and all that. Just kick that stuff out of your head. Go to that page at uh, book me on my Just Get On The Pew page. In the middle, you can find that. Fill out the form. Click to schedule a call, and we'll get out that way as soon as we can and help you. All right? So you can go there for that. Next thing, studio update. Man, they're rocking and rolling today. They had like 40 people over there today. This thing is going to be on time. I know it is to be finished here uh, in the first week of May, at least the studio and the guest room and all that stuff that we had going, the addition. Uh, some of the rest of the house is going to have some work. But um, we got all this, all the equipment uh, in. I ordered it last week. You know, it was $20,000 $20, worth of equipment. You know, I was puckered up pretty tight when I yeah. hit that send button But uh, on that equipment. But, you know, guys, we're going to do some great things here. We're going to have... Matt Fradden in May, he's going to be our first in-studio guest. We've got Ralph Martin coming in later in a couple months. He's going to be an in-studio guest. We're going to continue to grow what we're doing here, all so that we can get out there, have more recognition on what we're doing, bring more glory to God, and start men's groups. But this YouTube channel is going to be just just growing. So, And we're going to be doing all kinds of things with it that we hadn't done so far. So if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, look up Just to Get on the Pew on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and get ready for what's going to come. Now, with the cost of the equipment, obviously that took a large chunk of the money out of the ministry and we're trusting God with it, but we would like to try to raise some money to offset that, right? We've just hired somebody full-time starting in June, uh, just met with a young lady that's going to help us in a lot of things uh, and really take off a lot of things of me because I've been wearing a lot of the hats, yeah. uh, free me up for more content for the YouTube channel. So, you know, guys, I would just ask if the show's ever done anything for you, if you love the show, if you want to help in some way with this, you want to see it grow and and go in some you know new directions and things too, uh, then you can help us out one of two ways. You can go to donorbox.org slash pew, become a monthly donor, $5, $10 a month. If we have a ton of guys do that, then it's going to offset our equipment and it's going to also give us enough money to move forward to do some things that we have in mind to do, some other programs, things like that. So uh, you can do that at donorbox.org slash pew, or you can do that through Patreon. We still have a Patreon account. But those are two ways you can donate really easy with, with with not a huge sum of money that will help though. Like, right? It doesn't matter that it's not a lot, but if a lot of people give a, a small amount, then it, it does the same thing as one person giving a lot of money. Mm. So guys, I would just ask you, you know, humbly hat in hand to help support us there so we can keep delivering great content. Um, one last thing, we've got rosaries uh, now. Those things came in last Thursday. The official just a guy in the pew rosary really, done by really cool. I, I like, yeah, I'm a blue. I'm blues my color. I like sure, it anyway, me too. So yeah, yeah, but it's it's made specifically for the the ministry. The color design, everything. The, it's got uh, Saint Michael the Archangel in the middle of the rosary. You've got uh, a beautiful crucifix with a, um, a miraculous medal and a Saint Benedict medal on it. Uh, it's just handmade by the Catholic woodworker Jonathan Conrad over there. Reached out, wanted to make something for the men that support the ministry. They're $43.95. They're on the store website. So you can go to the just a guy in the pew.com, click store, and go get yours. I think we moved 20 of them last week. And that's not counting the ones that that I, you know, were bought when I was out of town last mm-hmm. weekend. So, you know, we're gonna have to order some more very quickly because we got 50 to start off with. So 
If you want one of those, go to the page and sign up for it. Um, I lied. One last thing. The Pilgrimage with Father Larry, we're almost coming up on a year. You know, another month, it'll be a year from when we actually leave. I checked the other day. We've already got 25 to 30 people signed up. Wow, that's great. So it's, yeah. it went from like a couple to, I think, the opening of Israel, the, the, the pushing back of the vaccination mm-hmm. restrictions um, and getting rid of those have really opened the door for people that may not have gone because of that. So if you're interested in that, you can go to the book me page too and find that there and sign up for the pilgrimage. So thank you for being kind and listening to all that, folks. Uh, we hope you'll support us and continue to help us grow. So, Victor, you know, uh, here in Lent, we've had a couple of weeks where we've talked about a lot of things. Uh, you know, what's your one thing? We've talked about the heart of a slave. Kind of poured my heart out last weekend mm-hmm. about my own wounds and my one thing I'm working on this Lent. And, um, you know, these readings have really been jumping out to me, particularly one from uh, the third Sunday in Lent, which has been a couple of weeks ago now. But it was the second reading, and it's where St. Paul, it's in 1 Corinthians 10, um, 1 through 13, or through 12, where he's, he's kind of warning against overconfidence, right? Warning against complacency. And I'm going to read that really quickly, and then we'll jump into it. But there's a part of it that caught my mind and thought, man, I really want to talk about that on the show. So he says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our ancestors were under, all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all of them were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was the Christ. Yet God was not pleased with most of them. Now there he said most of them, Mm -hmm. right? Not a few of them, most of them. About 60%. Right, right. for they were struck down in the desert. These things happened as examples for us, so that we might not desire evil things as they did, and do not become idolaters as some of them did. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to revel. Let us not indulge in immorality as some of them did, in immorality as some of them did, and 23,000 fell within a single day. Let us not test Christ as some of them did and suffered death by serpents. Do not grumble as some of them did and suffered death by the destroyer. These things happened to them as an example, and they have been written down as a warning to us upon whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, whoever thinks he is standing secure should take care not to fall. That's the line that caught my, my attention. You know, it's one of those things where I was in mass, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I kind of zoned out. And I zoned back in to hear that last line. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let us take care. Therefore, you know, take care uh, for those who us that, that think we're staying secure should take care not to fall. Right? What a warning there. And he's pointing us back to to where we are right now in Lent, right? We're looking at all these stories. We're, we're traveling with the Israelites out of their exile of Egypt. They're in the desert. You have Christ being sitting in the desert to be tested. He's found true. The Israelites were not found true. A lot of them, right? right? And we talked about that a couple weeks ago where the spies went into the promised land. They came back. They scared everybody except for Cain and, jo- and, and Joshua, the only two that stood up. And the rest of them, God said, basically, if you're older than 20, you're not going to the promised land. You're going to die out here. And your kids are going to go and have to fight your battles. We talked about all of that. Well, what I thought about when I read this is, is how many of us think that we're all good? Like, how many of those Egyptians thought, like, we're good. Like, God's taking care of us. He's given us food we need to, water. You know, we've we've griped and really deserve to to be punished. And some of us haven't gone, you know, we've gone unpunished. And God's going to love us and take care of us. So we're going to be good, right? And they got really overconfident. And they got complacent, you know? And how many of us think that we're all good, right? That we're exactly where we need to be. Where maybe we've had a spiritual moment or we feel like we've had some moment of growth and we stop there. Because we think, oh, that's enough, right? I'm good with God. Got the whole spiritual thing down. 
You know, I don't need to be praying like everybody says I need to. I don't have to go to daily mass anymore. It's kind of what I needed to do to get going. But now I'm good, right? And and there's such a a a wave of that in the culture. You're, it's all good. Be who you want to be. Do what you want to do. Don't worry about anything. And that boils over in our spiritual life. And if we're not careful, we can wind up like the a lot of the Israelites and be right. fallen, right? And, and 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 lose our souls basically in our lives. Well, you know that saying, "God is good," and, and then someone says all the time, yeah. "Well, he, that's true," but we're not always good to God. Mm-hmm. So therefore, we we create these barriers or separation of barriers between us and God, and and when we do that, we become more dependent on our own strength or mm-hmm. our own ways of thinking how to solve problems, and we kind of slowly increase that that separation mark between us and our faith and between god's relationship that we, we used to have at one time because things are going well at work kids are healthy uh, bills are being paid off all this stuff and you know and and when things are good we have a very strong habit of going you know what i'm being blessed now but i kind of don't spend as much time as i should with god sure and when we do that we get overconfident that we're doing this all on our own. Yeah. You know, and, and that's, that's a danger. It is. And that overconfidence breeds complacency. I mean, you look at it, that's basically what St. Paul's is, is warning us about is like, don't sit here and rest on your laurels. Like, like we got to keep moving forward. I mean, he even says, like, I've run the race, I've fought the fight. Like, he's his whole life, even when he was in, in a prison cell waiting to be beheaded, he's writing things like, rejoice in the Lord always. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's constantly, no matter his situation, no matter how far along, I mean, think how easy it would have been to be St. Paul and go, man, I've started all these freaking churches around. Like, look what I've done. In the middle of this Roman Empire, I'm going around and starting communities of believers. And Christianity's spreading. I don't need to do anything. I'm good. But no, he was constantly, even up to the very moment of his death, trying to be what he could be for Jesus. Right, trying to repay what Jesus had done for him, trying to lead others to him. He never sat back on his heels and said, I'm good where I am. And that's exactly what we do when we become complacent. In fact, you know, if you want a definition of complacency, it's a feeling of quiet pleasure or security, often while unaware of some potential danger, defect, or the like, self-satisfaction or smug satisfaction with an existing situation or a condition. I love what it says here, that first part of the definition, and this is like from Webster or something, but mm-hmm. um a, a feeling of quiet pleasure or security. How often do we feel like that in our life when we're in those consulate, you know, those places of consolation and everything's going well and you're running through the tulips and everything's easy and nothing's hard in your life and prayer comes easy and all those things. And then we get complacent and we stop doing the things that allowed us to be in that place. Right. And I love how this says often while unaware of some potential danger, we forget in that place of, of, of complacency that there's always the devil roaring like a prowling, mm-hmm. uh, uh, roaring like a prowling lion. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Waiting, looking for someone to devour. We forget about that when we become complacent, and so we let our guard down. And then what does the devil do? He just is like, "Yep, come this way, come this way." Right? Here's here's comfort. Here's vices. Here's all these things. You know, just be comfortable here. And 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 we turn from God. And the thing is, God God never turns from us. He keeps his promises. I mean, God is a God who keeps his promises and. And this complacency, you know, it gives us this feeling that we've arrived, you know, it, that we can put our faith life on cruise control, basically. And then we stop holding up our end of the bargain. Right. You know, a lot of times we think like, well, the work is all on God's part. No, we all have a role to play in the plan of salvation. And, you know, our life is about constant conversion, not a one-time thing where we just flip a switch and we're good. We constantly have to be working on that. And when we let ourselves become complacent, as St. Paul warns us about here, 
then we start to kind of let off the throttle a little bit. And we do put it on cruise control. And it leads us to that self-reliance instead of a, a reliance on God. Um, and, and that makes us believe over time that we don't need God anymore. Right. I mean, look at, look at COVID and look how many churches were closed and how many churches are still reporting today how the numbers have not returned. That's because people one day said, you know what? It's been months and I hadn't had the Eucharist. I don't need God. If, it's not, if I haven't had it in that long, then it must not be that big of a deal. It must not really be what the church says it is. So I'm good. Like, I don't need to go back to church. I'll do my spiritual communion stuff on, on the weekend, even though I could go to Mass, but I'm just going to choose to sit home, and I'll turn it on if I want to one Sunday, and I won't if I don't. It's the same thing there. It's that, it's that getting lulled to sleep, right, that, that we're all say, good. That smug satisfaction. Right. I mean, that, that, that definition is so loaded, and the smug satisfaction, sorry, smug satisfaction, I'm reading upside <laughs> right. down. But what that means is that you're taking your own pride and you're twisting as if you have control of the situation. And and these are like bullet points of, of each individual that we know. Yeah. I mean, since that we've been and yeah. people are finding themselves like, yeah, it's quiet pleasure. You sure. Know? And then this and this. And not to distract what you're saying is no. that is that we're in this convoluted kind of cycle of suffering pleasure or suffering or what, what's the word you say consolation and desolation yeah consolation right? and desolation i yeah. mean we're in this this machine wash all the time and yeah. we have to make sure that wherever we are we're still praising god no you're exactly right man and, and the thing is it, it just it, it i mean that's what happened to me in my life you know i walked away from the church and then I, I like i was wowed by women and booze and drugs and partying and all that in college and i thought i don't need god man look at my life i'm having the time of my life and eventually we fall. That's mm-hmm. what St. Paul says here is be careful not to fall. You know, he says, um, let me look where it was again. Therefore, whoever thinks he is standing secure should not should take care not to fall. Well, that's exactly what happens because we're, we think we're all good, we're all good, and then wham, you step on a rake, right, right? and then hits you in the face. And, and that's, you know, we heard the reading this past Sunday of the prodigal son, right, this, the, the Sunday following this reading uh, from St. Paul. And we know that story, right? We've talked about it a bunch of times. There's a young man that one day goes, you know what, God, or to his father, who's playing the role of God in the parable, or, or is the example of God in the parable. He's like, I'll, give me your inheritance. Give me what's mine. You know, give me what you owe me. I don't mm-hmm. need you anymore. We heard Father Gallagher say that in the homily yesterday is this young man basically just looks at his dad and says, I don't need you anymore. Right. Give me what I'm owed and, and get out of my you're life. You're dead to me. Right. Yeah. I want my money now from the will. Yeah. And that's what happens when this young man had probably been given everything. He had a rich father, hadn't probably didn't have a lot of trouble in his life, had it easy. And then one day he said, you know what? My life's good. I've grown up. I know how to take care of myself. I don't need you anymore. And he runs off and he leaves and it actually says here, you know, that he says, um, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. And having a good father, God right. is a good father. He's going to give you what you love, even if it's not him, right? Gives him his share. Well, what happens? The son goes off. He's doing his thing. Life's great. He's complacent out there. Says that he squandered the money, you know, basically, and that the, they had a severe famine that hit. And next thing you know, he finds himself in a pigsty, you know, and, and he's jealous of what the pigs are mm-hmm. getting to eat because he he's not allowed to even eat that. That's where I found myself in the jail. That's where so many of us will find ourselves in life if we become complacent in our faith. That's what St. Paul's trying to do here is he's saying, look, and this is just, you know, to his people, you know, years and years and years after the Israelites, but we still can look back at that same thing. He's saying, look, don't do the same thing that people have done before you. This is written down for a reason. This isn't just a history book for you to go, oh, wow, that's tragic. 
This is something that the Lord, through His divine through through His divine Word, is trying to say: Look, don't make the same mistakes that these people have before. So here we are in Lent, which is one of the best times ever to start looking at your life and saying: I mean, we still have time here. We have a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. What am I complacent about in my faith life? Like, what am I? Has my prayer life faltered? Have, have did I used to go to daily mass and now I'm not anymore for whatever reasons? When's the last time I've been to confession? Did I used to go twice a month and now I go every once, you know, every couple of months? This is an opportunity, an invitation, again, through the wisdom of the church and the scriptures that that we hear in the in the in the gospels that we hear through through Lent, inviting us always to this continued deeper conversion, never getting satisfied with where we are or overly satisfied with where we are. You know, Victor, I mean, people ask me a lot. They say, man, you sure, seems like you do a lot. You got the narrow road you do, and you're, you you told me you're doing this hallow thing, and you're doing that, and you go to daily mass every day. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just saying when they ask me, why why do you do that? Because I know if I don't, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to regress. Right. Those are the tools that you need to continue on your path. Right. Yeah. I'm going to fall backwards. Right. Those are the things that allow me to do and be uh, the person that I am, mm-hmm. right? And do the things the Lord's calling me to do, because I'm trying to constantly fill myself with him and the things that he's asked me to do. So when we get away from that, it's when we get in trouble. And, you know, you look at that prodigal son, and just like Paul said, he got fat and happy. He got overconfident. I don't need you. You know, he got complacent, and then he wound up in a mess. Now, he was smart enough, and he comes to that point, like all of us have to, when we turn away from God, there's going to come that moment where if we're smart or if we're lucky enough, and yes, it sounds bad to say if we're lucky enough to have a rock-bottom moment, but that's very lucky. I consider myself lucky, even everything I had to go through, that God gave me that moment to be able to turn and come home. And even in that moment of saying, Father, I've squandered everything, punish me, he's he's saying, no, I love you, and here's the best of everything again. I forgive you. It's time to begin again. But if we don't do this, then then we're going to fall like him, and like so many of us already have. So we can't get lazy. We can't get comfortable. We can't get too big for our britches. And, and start making stupid mistakes and falling for the snares of the devil. You know, as I said, Lent is a great time to look at all these things. And we need to remember in that that God is God keeps his promises. Because when we get over overconfident, when we get complacent, the devil's showing up and he's saying, see, God isn't who he says he is. You don't need him. Look how good you're doing without him. Look how happy you are. Look how much you've amassed. But the thing is, God is a God that keeps his promises. And we can read from Joshua you know, here in uh, Joshua chapter 15, oh, excuse me, that's Luke. I flipped to the wrong thing. It is Joshua um, chapter 21 in verse 43. And it says, And so the Lord gave Israel the entire land he had sworn to their ancestors he would give them. Once they had taken possession of it and dwelt in it, the Lord gave them peace on every side, just as he had promised their ancestors. Not one of their enemies could withstand them. The Lord gave all their enemies into their power. Not a single word of the blessing that the Lord had promised to the house of Israel failed. It all came true. This is what we have to remember, that God made a covenant with us, right? I will be your God. You will be my people. I will love you. You will serve me and love me. And if we do this, then there will be a joy and there will be a reward of everlasting life. The devil will try to convince you in your complacency, right, that God is not who he says he is, that he doesn't keep his promises, but it's us that don't keep ours, Mm -hmm. right? It's us that turn away. And so we have to remember that. And, and, and so for a how-to here at the end of the show, you know, about how to fight complacency in our life, how to start to realize and look at where we are. And if we're stuck in a place where we think, I'm good, I don't need anything else. God's not that big of a deal in my life anymore. Nothing's matter, especially if you're a person that's quit going to mass or something like that because of COVID, like we talked about. There's a couple things we need to do. 
First of all, we need to remember both sides of the covenant, as I said. At our confirmation, we chose to love God back and to serve him. That means we gave God our yes. We answered his love and his, his promise to us with a promise of our own, that I will accept this Holy Spirit and I will use the gifts you've given me to live out the purpose of my life to serve you and to bring other people to you. We made a promise there. And you can say all day, well, I was in eighth grade. You were the age of reason, right? You were the age of reason. You made a, 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 a promise there. And maybe you haven't lived up to it now. Maybe God is sending this podcast here today as a reminder of that moment for you to say, you know what? I did make a promise and I haven't been, I haven't been keeping it. And it's time to change that in my life. But we have to remember that the covenant requires two yeses, right? It requires two sides to say, I agree to this. I'm giving this and I accept this. So we have to honor that covenant on our side. Two, we need to remember that conversion isn't just a one-time thing. You don't get you don't get a, a, a pass to heaven just because you said, I'll give you my life, Lord. You have to live this every day. You have to be willing to get up and get in the battle and fight every single day. Remember, as we said a couple weeks ago, the Israelites refused to fight those battles. And so it fell on their children and other people. When we don't do that, we become complacent and we do not play our part in the role of salvation, the plan of salvation. So we've got to remember that constant conversion is something that's needed in our life. We're never there. We've never made it until we're standing before Jesus and he says, welcome, good and faithful servant, right? Good good job, good and faithful servant. Third point, we need to remember that we're constantly at war with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Spiritual warfare is real. The devil is real, and his goal is to make you believe that you don't need God or anything else. His goal, his, his whole goal for you is to make you become self-reliant so you fall, you fail, you find yourselves in these vices, these sins, these addictions, these, these terrible places to be in your life so you're separated from God and he wins another soul. So you have to remember you're smack dab in the middle of two sides warring for your soul and you have to be able to get up, understand this, and then do what you have to do to fight every day to grow in your love and your relationship with the Lord. Last of all, we need to heed St. Paul's warning and remember that those who made mistakes that came before us and make sure that we're looking at what happened there and doing everything in our power to avoid those same mistakes and to constantly, constantly grow in our relationship and love of Jesus Christ. That's what's going to keep us where we need to be in our faith life. That's what's going to help us be the men that we need to be for our wives, our families, for our church, for the world. And so again, guys, if you're facing complacency in your life, take an honest moment here. Utilize the rest of this Lent and start looking at how you could change that in your life. God wants more of you, and he knows that you have more to give. So, all right, guys, I hear that music. Look, if you feel as if you've become complacent in your spiritual life and in your pursuit of Jesus, there is still time to change that. Use this reminder from St. Paul in the remainder of this Lent to get going in the right direction again. So in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, it is so easy to get complacent in our spiritual lives. The devil and his minions do everything in their power to rock us to sleep and tempt us with the allure of comfort. Help us to remember the covenant we made with you and that you are a God that keeps his promises. And Father, if ever we find ourselves turning away from you, give us the grace and humility to keep our promise and quickly turn back to you like the prodigal son. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks for listening to Just a Guy in the Pew. To find out more about John Edwards or have him come to speak to your parish, group, or conference, go to justaguyinthepew.com or send us an email at justaguyinthepew at gmail.com.